Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service on top of that. Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com if you are listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 if i always listen online at the website Petro.com. Joining us right now, he is the columnist with the Boston Globe. It is Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, I want to start off with, uh, this is intriguing. You're the first one I saw write about it. But uh, Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline, who is now making the rounds, uh, tell us a little bit about his new book. Yeah, so he's got a, a kind of partial memoir that, that you know, looks a lot at uh, his time in Washington as an impe- impeachment manager, you know, it, 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 in that way, it's, it is, and I, I think I criticized the book a little bit to say, you know, it's very Democrats good, Republicans bad kind of language kind of littered throughout. But the most interesting section in the book, and he splits it into three sections, it's kind of two parts Washington, one part here at home. Um, and for folks out there, even if you don't like the guy, his his stories about you know what it was like to have this you know his father as a you know prominent the prominent defense attorney for the mob here in-house counsel in-house counsel for raymond patriarca um what it was like to you know to live through that you know i mean people forget david cicilline's father was charged uh and you know went on trial uh for you know kind of attempting to um, uh, kind of create a perjury conspiracy in a, in, you know, a famous mob case back in the day. And, you know, David Cicilline makes it pretty clear. He felt like there was a ton of government overreach. He felt like they, you know, tried and tried and tried to take down their, you know, his father uh, because he, they couldn't beat him in court often. Uh, that's very candid. I think, you know, the other part that, that I found to be really interesting as somebody who really pays close attention to Providence politics, it's the first time, I mean, you've known David Cicilline longer than I have, but it's the first time I felt like, at least in recent memory, where he spent a lot of time talking about his uh, predecessor in City Hall, Buddy Sancy, and wow. he, he pulls no punches. Um oh. And, and I mean, again, you tell me, but during his time in City Hall, he often, you know, made references to kind of what Buddy Sancy might have been saying or his, you know, corrupt predecessor, that sort of thing. But he never, do, you know, dove deep into that. He always wanted to say, you know, I'm looking forward, Correct. that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh, lays out a really compelling you know, wow. argument, uh, you know, against the, the administration of Buddy Sancy goes into, you know, city finances stuff. So like kind of nitty gritty stuff, but also oh, wow. just even goes into and it makes a really interesting point. I'm sure this was made at the time, but it was one that kind of skipped over my head. He you know, really makes the case that, uh, you know, in the 80s, when where I guess in 1990, when Buddy Sancy gets reelected, he says, you know, his finances were really a mess at the time. He almost had no yeah. choice but to go sort of down a route of corruption or, you know, potentially looking for, you know, extra money here and there. Um, it's a really interesting view. Now, again, it's it's partisan or biased. It is what it is. But it's the first time I said it's the first time he really swung back at, at wow. CNC. 
Uh, so that in and of itself, and for a guy like you, John, that in and of itself is worth the read. Absolutely. I'm like, goodness, I can't believe I got to find a publisher. The Dan with sticking with the theme of Providence, you have a very interesting column on the Providence takeover. Uh, you did talk with the, the commissioner, and I, I like that she could even tell you were a little skeptical about exactly some of the results that they're touting right now. Yeah, I mean, this is the first week of school. And so, you know, the commissioner is kind of, you know, put in a spot where she has to talk to a bunch of us. I know she did an interview with Channel 12 and make the case that, you know, things are going well in the takeover. Um, And, you know, a lot of evidence suggests the opposite. You know, it's just there hasn't been when you and I were talking about, you know, the possibility of a state takeover now three years ago. Um, you know, we thought dramatic change. We thought they were going to rip up the teacher's contract. We right. thought there was going to be, you know, a significant movement on maybe extending the school day, those kind yep. of things. Which would make sense. Which Transformational make... contract. That's exactly. Yeah. And, and what you have instead is, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, you know, beating around the bush in some ways, you know, with – Oh, well, we have more reading coaches. We have more literacy coaches. And, and it said, you know, I said to her, look, you know, all these things you could have done without a takeover, without, you know, a dramatic kind of disruption of the system. And her point is, and, and you know, I wrote this, like, it's a little bit of the, the Biden, don't compare me to the, uh, the almighty, compare me to the alternative. She said, sure, right. we could have done all those things. We never did. Um, and she got pretty, you know, I think she got a little bit fiery with me, you know, and she and I get along very well, but I I think I could sense the frustration in her as I was similarly kind of skeptical about, you know, the changes she thinks they made. And she didn't pull back though. I mean, you know, she, I put this in the column, but she made it clear we need a more aggressive contract this time around. So that's a little bit of a step away from oh. kind of the, what what Governor McKee wants to do. She even said, you know, she wants to begin thinking about the ways to get, uh, you know, control back in the hands of Providence schools. But she said there are going to have to be guardrails here. The, the state is still going to have some level of, you know, some role you know, over the next couple of years in that district, those are things that are going to be controversial for the next governor to handle. They're going to be, you know, they're certainly not, I know the teachers union is, you know, reading that and saying, boy, wait a minute, you know, we don't want them involved. So, you know, she she still shows those glimpses of kind of being the fighter that we thought she was, but I will say she's clearly beaten down, you know, over the last couple of years with the way this thing has moved so slowly. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, it, between the Providence mayoral race and especially Governor McKee coming in, I mean, don't don't you get the sense – no one wants – I don't have a good analogy for it, but, the, I mean, the elephant in the room, is it's the teachers' unions, it's the control they have. You compare that to what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. He's backing school board members who will go with a 10-point plan he has to the much that Charlie Crist – his opponent picked the head of the teachers union as his, as his running mate. I mean, it just seems no one wants to talk about what is the obvious, which is they will not see the changes they want as long as the teachers unions have such a stranglehold on how this thing works. Uh, you you just nailed it because it's the candidates who who feel so strongly about that. I mean, you talk to Commissioner Infante Green; she's pretty blunt about it. You talk to Mara Lorza; <laughs> he'll tell you how much of a tough fight. It is with the teachers union. You talk to former mayor, Angel Tavares. He'll do the same thing. By the way, slight segue going back to the Cicilline thing. He is a great set of pa- you know, uh, words about his fight with the Providence oh, firefighters wow. for a really oh, yeah. long time. And wow. again, these got the, these former mayors are people who, you know, who, who do understand, you know, really what it takes to have these fights, but you, you hit it on the head. All these candidates, you know, everyone, because everybody's angling for, uh, quite frankly, in both races, the governor and the mayor's race, everybody's trying to get to 35% of the vote so they can win the thing. Uh, you you don't have anyone willing to, to really say anything that is kind of remotely transformational. Um, and, and that's it. They just don't want to take on the unions. Now, again, I'm not sure how much of a, uh, an impact the Providence Teachers Union has in in the Providence, uh, in the city of Providence, when it becomes, when it, you know, many of them don't live in the city, that kind of thing. But even still, 
nobody is willing to kind of have a serious dialogue about kind of what it takes. I mean, it can't possibly be that the last two Democratic mayors, Tavares and Alorza, were were just so bad at this that, you know, that that the the unions just won. Right. It has to be that it's actually a hard system and they probably need to be taken on a little better. Yeah, and the numbers that came out with the amount of kids that want to get in, the parents put the kids in the charter schools. Exactly. So overwhelming. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent healthcare facility providing comprehensive outpatient healthcare to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.com. Net. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, last night, your uh, former colleagues, Channel 12, had the debate, Democrat debate, CD2. Um, I don't understand the race. I don't <laughs> understand the strategy. Halfway through, I'm asking myself, why am I even wasting time here? But I, unless I'm missing something, Seth Magaziner is going to win this primary, at least. And then... I get the sense Sarah Morgenthau and Joy Fox are getting ready for if Fung wins, then they would maybe run against Fung in two years. I don't even know if they're thinking that far. Oh, out. I think right. they're just I, you may be right. It, the thing about it is, I mean, first of all, clear winner last night is Alan Fung. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, you, you in Alan Fung's case, you know, it works twofold here. You're watching that debate. And you kind of see pretty low energy candidates. And, you know, meanwhile, Alan Fung's out with, you know, a little bit of a silly, but but a very high energy commercial that he's got. You know, you do see, you know, very clear differences when it comes to Alan Fung compared to these four Democrats. The other thing that I kept on thinking about last night as I watched these candidates just repeat the same things each time, I kept thinking that Alan Fung is in this spot where, he, he actually, you know, the, the thing, the problem that he always has is, we, as you know, within the Republican Party, people, particularly further to the right, always think he's not, you know, not conservative enough. Well, if I'm Alan Fung, I'm showing all those people this debate last night and saying, get on board because right. there's a massive difference between me and them. Um, and, and, and so I do really, truly think that Alan Fung probably comes away with a big winner. The other thing I kept thinking about as I watched this last night, John, was you know, I go back to my first year as a reporter here in Rhode Island was 2010. So the last time we had an open congressional seat, it was the first district. And think about this, John, similar, uh, similar conditions of the country, right? Democratic president, Democratic yep. House speaker, uh, Democrats about to get kind of uh, you know, really whacked in a, in the midterms. Uh, you had even even here at home locally, you had you know kind of one candidate who was the perceived favorite. In that case, David Cicilline. In this case, Seth Magaziner. The difference was the three other candidates in that race. One was David Siegel, by the way. Yeah. Uh, were they, they at least presented different cases? They were going yeah. after the leader. You had, you know, more conservative guys like Anthony Gemma and Bill Lynch. You had more liberal guys. David Siegel was a more progressive candidate, right. you know, than, than David Cicilline. You then, you know, you flash forward to this 12 years. You can't even get these guys to suggest, you know, maybe they would support a different leader right. outside of their 80-year-old, you know, House speaker. I mean, for all the degrees, you know, the college degrees that were on that stage yesterday, 
not one of them has taken, you know, a, a quality debate prep class no. where you hear the same person, you know, three in a row. If, if I'm the fourth person answering a question about you know, who's going to be the speaker, who who all support for speaker of the house after three of them say, oh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi, she's doing a bang up job. I think I would say David Cicilline should be yes, a speaker. something different. <laughs> By uh, the way, Sarah Morgenthau has three kids and works in the Obama administration. I don't lawyer, that. also a lawyer, also <laughs> a lawyer. I mean, it, this was—I thought it was painful. If I'm it Seth Magaziner, I would be thrilled, right? Yes. I, I, I didn't—I didn't take a punch. Uh, it was patty cake the whole time, and so you know, again, seamless for him. He—he he escapes the night without any sort of challenges here, but. You know, for an open congressional seat, the first one in many years in that district, uh, you have, a, a, I think, a very underwhelming, you know, class of Democrats, at least. It's like an NFL preseason game. No one wants to get hurt. Such a good know? comparison. You're right. It, um, literally, no one wants to take a hit. Dan McGowan, has the folks campaign, have they put up the white flag? I mean, you, you know, the numbers, you put out the numbers yesterday of the, the people that are actually running where you can bet. And... Unless I'm missing something, my God, it looks like Dan McKee is just running away with this primary. Yeah, it sure seems like it. Yeah, there's, you know, you and I talk about this a, a lot, but there's a, you know, there's a website that you literally can, you can essentially buy shares, but it's betting on, you know, who picking the winner. Um, and yes, they, uh, you know, Dan McKee certainly has opened up a lead on the field. And Helena Folks is down with Matt Brown and Luis Munoz in, in that race, you know, with virtually no support. Um, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I was on the phone with somebody yesterday, just a source. And, you know, we were talking about the governor's race. And I said, you know, I said the same thing you just said. I was, it seems like Lena folks might be kind of throwing up the white flag. You know, maybe she's going to pack it in. No more spending. And then she comes out with two more commercials um, to, you know, to try to make her case. But, uh, boy, I, I think time has run out on her. I mean, we were all waiting. We waited for months and months for her to get in. Then we waited for months and months for her to, you know, show any level of enthusiasm, get on television. Now we've waited months and months and we haven't seen her make any clear case uh, that she, you know, she should be competitive in this race. And, you know, you're now less than two weeks to go. Many thousands of people have already voted. Um, They just don't have the infrastructure or the, quite frankly, the name ID to, to make this thing work for them. No, and I just wonder at this point, I mean, I, I'm watching Meet the Press and she still comes on with the ad of like introducing herself. Uh, here's the picture when I was growing up. I mean, it, it's very possible that, and I don't mean this to insult them, but that she just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. They did not figure out, you know, how to pivot and make this more challenging. Well, that's a right- campaign that's paralyzed by, you know, 20 different experts who tell them yeah. you know, the way to win in Rhode Island is this way. And they, they just never have come, they've never come up with a consistent message. I mean, John, I, I tweeted this last night. She, she's going to spend more than $4 million wow. in this, in this democratic primary potentially to finish a distant third. I mean, yeah. this, this has all the makings and, and you know, look, maybe we're both eating crow. And we're, we're not seeing something. And on September 14th, she squeaks by in a primary but it looks far more like this is going to go down as one of the most disastrous campaigns in recent Rhode Island history. Yeah. And there is another debate tonight that I don't think there's even been promoted enough that I, I even just saw so Channel 10's doing the debate tonight. Are they Dan doing Mc- Congress or governor? I didn't even know governor this. tonight. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't That's even know. They, I didn't even know about that. I mean, I'm always all focused on. On, uh, on Channel 12 next week. I'm glad that you thought the same thing. I just saw it tonight. Yeah, uh, Gene Belasetti is hosting a live debate at 7 o'clock. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. No so, now, Dan, before we let you go, um, there is, folks, a story. Officer Lugo was in court yesterday. Um, I, I still don't like in our court system that they won't allow. I would have gone if they'd let me live stream if they won't. Yes. So we're just stuck with the, the tweeting. You can read about that. And then, folks, Roadmap, uh, that's how I found out about the David Cicilline book. It arrives each morning, uh, five days a week, right in your inbox. Links to all the different stories, links to everything within the globe, which also has also stories about the one of the ferry fighters that got arrested uh, in Pawtucket that had a gun. Dan McGowan, right now, how can people start to get Roadmap? Very simple, very free. Send me a blank email. You don't have to do anything other than send a blank email to rinews at globe.com. I'll know what it is, rinews 
at globe.com. I'll sign you right up. And like John said, we you know, occasionally break news. We analyze the news, just sometimes have really interesting thing and then things. And then all the links to interesting stories. You got Patriots opening day coming up, you know, so, so everything you could possibly want, RI news at globe.com and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan, great job as always. We'll talk to you again. John, thanks so much. Have a good one. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 folks you are listening to the John DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's AM 1380 99.9 you can always listen online at our website, Petro.com. Joining me right now, one of my siblings, It is she is an uh, independent columnist, opinion maker. It is Donna Perry. DJ, I'd like to start off. Um, the news obviously continues. It was over three weeks ago now. It was Monday night, August 8th, was the raid at Mar-a-Lago. There's been a lot that has been coming out, fallout of it. Um, something that can't be denied is just how it continues to dominate the headlines, probably because, number one, President Trump uses his new uh, app, social, you know, truth to put out various yep. statements about it. And then number two, it, um, you know, there's the back and forth with the, the special master and so forth. Uh, but I, it, it's keeping him in the headlines. I'm not convinced that that's good for the party. But let's just start off. I want to hear some of your thoughts, the latest now on this on the raid. Yeah. And great to be with you, J.D. Um, so I think. This is now very intensely legal. Um, I noticed he has seemed to put forth a little more of a credible lawyer who is getting out there. Um, and I think he did suffer from bad legal counsel. And I say that, J.D., because what, what is now in play really in these current days this week is, is was it too late for them to call for the special master? Um, because now the reporting is that They've all the FBI, uh, the DOJ, they've already sort of begun to sort through the documents that are in question. So I think that becomes a little bit of a new contentious mess itself. Right. Because the whole point was to have, as far as I understood it, to have that like a a third party special master was going to oversee this sorting through of, right. my, as we know, John, that as the reporting continues, there's hundreds and hundreds, maybe more documents than we thought. So that is where that stands. However, Trump did have a bit of a favorable um, decision and a judge was leaning towards saying, well, no, in a case of this magnitude with a former president, that um, a special master would be called for. So that still could occur. Um, we don't know how that's going to play out. I, I would just say, you know, the way it's been handled, and I think Maggie Haberman, who you've referred to a lot, and, you know, she just seems to just have sometimes like the top best reporting on this. Oh, She's, yeah, absolutely. She has the undeniably best sources. And I think what a point she has repeatedly made, which which could be his downfall, is that he continues to think, despite whatever high-level legal counsel, that he himself is almost his best legal mind to sort of weigh in on some of this. Um, like, and that he's tough with lawyers because he doesn't always take the advice and things like that. Um, I think at this point where this stands, though, J.D., I think this is difficult when they are talking about, it could be you know months and months, before the DOJ can reach a decision. I don't know if it's going to be months and months, but then, you know, the idea 
that Merrick Garland is really in unprecedented waters here, J.D., right? Yes. If he is going to prosecute a former president, a recent, just previous president, and then obviously the backdrop is who, in theory, could be, you know, teeing up to be the, you know, contender to reclaim the White House. So, I, I mean, they are obviously, I see both ends of how they're proceeding, J.D., so obviously they have to be unbelievably meticulous and careful. Um, and then there is the issue of how much more information keeps coming forward. And I, I'll yeah. just leave it at, on this point. What has not been answered, which I, I continue to find disturbing, is what was he planning to do with him having possession of all these documents? Right. Obvi obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I question. think, um, and, and then, and I've also, I mean, just some of the people that have been around him that are giving advice, um, it, it, it seems it's, it's very problematic. And, and maybe oh, you yeah. know, his argument can be, well, he didn't know or he was getting poor advice. But the fact of the matter is he's, he's the one on the line. I think the timeline that has come out is of how the efforts they were going to to try to retrieve these documents. You're right. It, it still doesn't make sense. But Donna Perry, here's the thing. I mean, it, it's hard to believe you think back just, you know, not not long ago, people thought, well, the whole thing with the J6 commission was to keep his name in the headlines. Right. He, this is he is completely again. It is it is top of, and just dominating the headlines off this off of this raid. And I. Right. I fail to see where that's where that's positive for the Republican Party. I, no, in my view, it 100 percent is hurting the party. And we're seeing yeah. this now in real time. Um, so, and I know we will, you know, talk about where Biden's chances are right now. I mean, in his popularity, you know, Karl Rove, to his credit, has been more outspoken um, and is almost chastising some of the conservative media and said, please stop talking about Trump. Yeah. And, and obviously, John, in fairness to the reporters, well, you know, it, it's obviously huge and you can't like not cover it. But I think. The, again, this is, I said this two weeks ago or three weeks ago, the minute this occurred, you watch the saturation coverage, what went away from the public discussion and the headlines? Inflation, yes. uh, Biden's bumbling in many corners. Biden, yeah. despite what we're being spoon fed, is, does not have universal democratic popularity, just among his own base, by the way. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. So all of that, Trump becomes, again, it's like Godzilla on top of the skyscraper. Yeah. He's just, he's the center of it. They can't, you know, and I'm sorry, I have long felt it does not help the party. And then some of his backers who maybe are trying to be fair, um, you know, like a Lindsey Graham, John, then they come out with these like, a statements that don't help anybody. No, well, that's that, absurd, right? I mean, you know, gonna ride in the, who are the, who's going to ride? Who's going to ride? Right. Show me where that's going to happen. I'll go but cover the live stream. All this triggers this, and so again, what what is the end of the day? What a lot of you know our friends and and you know good Republicans would have they need to understand that like you could be in the wind wilderness for really winning elections, John, for years if they don't understand. It just can't be all. Trump at this point. That's my Once view. Again, no, I agree. we're speaking with the uh, independent uh, opinion maker, one of my siblings, that's Donna Perry. And DJ, let's talk about that. And it's hard to believe, but Biden's numbers are slowly, I can't believe, but ticking up. He, they, and notice they, because of the magnitude of the Trump story, they're kind of keeping him out of sight. Yeah. And I, little by little, they managed to get some things done. Obviously, student loans didn't play well, but who would believe that as we're approaching September and Biden is actually on the rebound with the, the numbers going up and, and the Democrats are frightfully in a good <laughs> position to do well with the midterms. Well, the, see, the, and this is and that's all part of it is, you know, what's happens in uh, Mar-a-Lago. So what they're doing with Biden this week is they're, they're really kind of sketching out, in my view, John, they're trying to capitalize on what you just said, this sort of choreographing the optics, at least, of saying the president is back on the upswing um, as we very importantly turn the corner on Labor Day weekend. Um, and which, you know, you might want to add that you and I know 
in the middle of the summer, unless you're a political junkie, a lot of Americans actually, J.D., not really paying attention to the elections that are critical and it's critical state by state, of course. So I think that's where if you're a Democratic consultant, you think, oh, you know, we got the momentum at the moment you want it. Right. So there's always that trick about the timing. And, he, you know, his favorability, I would not say these are like, you know, uh, record breaking polls, but he's gone from I believe it was something like 30 mid 30s in June. And he's now by some polls at, I think, 45 percent. Uh, like an overall favorability. You can break that down different ways. So they have him, you know, going to, although oddly, J.D., I would hardly call this is a president who barnstorms the country. He's going to three different cities in Pennsylvania over three days. (laughs) Whatever that is about, I don't, I think they don't like to fly him, actually. So that's a separate issue, but they are trying to capitalize on that. Um, And you're right, they're, you know, they've had some smaller um, wins even on the front of the economy. So there's a sense of that inflation is it ticking down a bit. Gas prices, ha- I think, have been the most notice notable. Yes, they've come yeah, down. They've come down under four bucks. So I yeah. think when it hit three ninety eight, people like, okay, well, well, that's a little bit in the right direction. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, I think that's what they're trying to capitalize this week. They're going to put them up front with. This kind of more, you know, speech of America and democracy and, you know, they talk about the soul of the nation. I don't know if that is really connects to where people are with their concerns right now, but that's where they're at. Like they're they're putting him out there and I think they feel comfortable with like where they are right now. Um, But if I may, as you just noted despite all that, that the average, you know, there's many Democrats in the party, I should say, who are running, who, despite the spin, they do not want him campaigning with them. And they have some differences with him. Yes. Yes. Um, Excellent point, as a matter of fact. You don't see him out doing that. And then it does make the news. But every time what people need to understand before we take a break, every time that there is a story about the raid, about President Trump, and he said this and blah, 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 and we got to go against the FBI. Every time he has an article, that what that is replacing is any type of story uh, on Biden. And, and, and even as you, you know, we know the major newspapers now, their entire focus is on the documents, uh, the raid, everything else. They're not focused on, 100%. on Biden and what, what's happening right now. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. We're speaking with J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. Home Again Consignment, located Governor Francis Shopping Center, fine furniture, art, antiques, glassware, jewelry, buy, sell, or sell in consignment, and estate sales are provided. It's Home Again Consignment. Call John, 401-463-3310. Again, located in right in Warwick in the Governor Francis Shopping Center, home again consignment. This independent columnist, it's opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. And DJ, um, so the CD2 race, the primary is still undecided who will face uh, former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung. But uh, former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, who to me, he's running the type of race he's comfortable with, which is, you know, he, he gets out and about. He's certainly known. He's got a strong presence in CD2. He's in a very good position right now. I'm just curious your thoughts on he's going up on television 
today uh, will be his first ad buy and kind of, you know, he doesn't know who he's running against yet, but right. it's unless something changes, Seth Magazina will be his opponent. But if you would touch on the importance of in a congressional race and getting up there and he is starting his ad buy today, even though the primary is September 13th. Right. Uh, I think that's a great move. Um, it, it, as once you, the primary hits JD, as we know, Rhode Island is one of the shortest general election seasons. Yeah. So that's very tight. I think it's real important that he is already, you know, get in the mind of the voter. Um, and I do think that, and we haven't seen the ad, but from what it's described by, um, Ted Neese's reporting, it's, it just sounds like, um, a kind of a pitch perfect thing for Fung. They saying it shows him, you know, at work and being around Cranston and, and, you know, meeting with constituents and JD, I would just add that that's, I hope they continue on. That's his brand. Yeah. Like you can't make Fung who he's not. He was, you know, like all people, when you serve as a mayor, yeah, they had some bumps here and there, but I think he, you know, overall, uh, support for law enforcement, support for a safe city. I think he was very conscious of, of that. Cranston, as uh, we're longtime native, you know, natives, and we know it was always just a solid, well-run middle-class city. Yeah. Um, and I think he, you know, kind of jumped in and and tried to carry on um, that the stronghold that it has been. Um, and I think he will have a natural edge over what's happening in my view magaziner is in this crowded primary um which i think can hurt you um and magaziner has to still have debates and fend off folks uh and then you get to the second week of september um and i would just say something about who fung is how he's known statewide he had the benefit of running for governor he's known statewide and i just don't know that there's like a natural sort of warmth and relatability about a guy like Magaziner. I, I, he may be a very nice guy. I, you know what I mean? I just, the optics around a guy like that, I don't right. know. Of course, he'll have the Democratic machine, unions and all that, that, yep. you know, comes into play. Now, um, and Donna Perry, what about the fact that Funk's writing a 60 instead of a 30? It may not be a huge deal for people, but it's, um, it's, it's more and more. It's 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 actually kind of uncommon that someone's even running a, a sixty second commercial, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but that there's a lot of con- that's a lot of content in a sixty second spot. Yeah, and that that might have been. I agree with you, but it might have been a decision that they have a little bit of the luxury of time right now. Sure. Um, when you're not so, you know, it it sounds like it's a more, but maybe like a general introductory. Not that he needs an introduction. But it's like a this is who Alan Fung is. And I would assume as you get past the primary that you have to have those more rapid fire pointed issue 30 second stuff. You're right, John, that it's actually less common. Um, But I also think if it's well produced, I haven't seen it, it, it could be, you know, to his favor. And again, I do think there is a likability factor that still matters in politics. Yes. Um, and he is for the Rhode Island brand. He is considered, I would say, a moderate GOP guy. Absolutely. So, you know, now, as far as Massachusetts and the race for governor, are we going to have a race here, Don Perry? Because <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I'm I'm waiting to see. And a lot of times, you the, the question is is not been answered if there if there really is a race here. Because unless I'm missing something, it would it would certainly seem that Maura Healy is just going to run away with this. Well, you know, for someone like her, um, brand name around the state has been the attorney general. Uh, she is obviously, she is a bread and butter Massachusetts Democrat as you get. Um, she has progressive, however, stripes and she's, so there's, you know, certainly been a growth in that part of the base, certainly in a state like Massachusetts. Um, and I would say that, you know, what's happened here is that, um, when you look at where deal, and Dowdy are right to the uh, the mass primaries, the sixth um, deal has he settled in on this, um, you know, a, a strategy, J.D., that he just skewed that, you know, traditional media. Um, he'd never bothered to even sit for a Boston Globe, you know, editorial yeah. interview. Now, so naturally, you know, Chris Dowdy, who they've given it to him and Deal's answer was, oh, well, you're a liberal elitist. And that's, of course, the liberal elitist paper. 
Um, that it's not a headline that a lot of Massachusetts may view the globe that way, but I would just say something, um, that, and Dowdy can't seem to pull it off, but I think his strategy and, and I think deal will take certainly the primary. Um, but I think it's been difficult for him, JD, as you've pointed out a few minutes ago, like, I think the Trump stuff hurts any of these people. Yes. You know, because then the media doesn't really want to ask Deal any kind of a serious question um, that could be, you know, good, strong Republican um, points of view, by the way. See, all that is getting buried by this, by the Trump yeah. stuff. And I think it hurts a guy like Deal. And John, it also, I would to his, to be fair to him, it also makes them a little, not that he's, you know, at all like not seasoned out there, but then they, they kind of skip stuff because they're like, oh, they're just going to ask me. Um, here was the latest bump on the Mar-a-Lago thing. And so he doesn't want to talk to the local report reporters to a great amount. Yeah. Which so. I don't think helps. And, and, right. and also I want to remind people that he, uh, former president Trump, I mean, he hasn't even done in a, you know, calling into Hannity. I mean, he has been out of sight, no interviews. in the bunker. Just, yeah. yeah. Just sending out, mm. you know, these messages on his own app, but you have a slew of people that are out there that were expecting him to do rallies and to be out there and endorsing. Right. Uh, this is one of the problems, right. you know, that, that people are seeing right now. Now with Jeff Deal, I, I, I'm just not sold on the strategy. I mean, I've had him on the show many, many times. I like the guy, but I, I, I don't know if Massachusetts is, is the type of state you can pull that off. Um, and, and we're about to find out, but I, I don't think it helps him that more Healy is just going to then dominate all the mainstream media, how people get their news. You know, and can it, I, yeah, I just one final observation on to me, that was a kind of a missed strategy for a guy like deal. I've, I long believe this about when you, when you're trying to be okay, you're an arch conservative. Here's the thing. You're not going to lose those people. If you take a few things exactly. and you run to the middle, yeah. John, where are yeah. they going to go? They're not right. going to go to more Healy. No. So if you have the diehards, fine. And you've got them. But the, uh, Baker somehow, let's be honest, he put together a coalition years ago, right? Yes. The, he, yeah. he does have the R next to his name. People can yeah. mock him that he's, you know, a Democrat light or moderate. Well, J.D., you know what? Except he just served for eight years. So right. um, could have had a third term. If and could have could have marched yes, in there. So exactly he's, right. you know, I think they they misunderstand. They didn't want to go with his playbook. I'm sure privately there's things Biden, um, excuse me, Baker just keeps to himself, you know, he doesn't always let where he may have a more conservative view, but, um, you know what, that guy served as a, in the state house and someone else may never serve inside an elected right. office. So, you know, you can put it together. And I just think that's a bit of a missed opportunity because deal was already had the strength of the conservative block. Yeah. You could have gotten in more independent minded Republicans and, and Baker's team always knew that, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, so, it, well, we're going to find out. We'll see. Still yeah. See how it plays out. Yeah. But it seems like it's already uh, the die is cast. Folks, another quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro show. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 305 3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. The Senadale Revival. Stop in and see them. Comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence. Right in Senadale. Right across from North Providence Town Hall. 
delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. DJ, I'm just curious your thoughts on, I think we've really seen the rise of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, I think more than any other governor, he, um, you know, the, the pandemic actually gave him an opportunity to set Florida away from the pack. He's gotten a lot of national attention. People know who the governor of Florida is, which, you know, you, yep. the average person, if you just said, who's the governor of, you know, uh, South Carolina, who's the governor of North Carolina, who's the governor, it wouldn't come to mind so quickly. He is um, certainly, you know, he's on the ballot, uh, should win in, in November. I don't see why. In some ways, he even has turned Florida red, which is interesting because it was always, you know, you go back to the toss up of Gore and, and Bush and, and right. such an in-play state. But I'm just curious your thoughts on the rise, I'll call it the rise of Ron DeSantis. Well, no question. Um, I think he's the other biggest political story when you get away from Trump and you talk on the Republican side. Um, I think now, as we turn, as we hit Labor Day, um, and he's facing now a guy who, by a lot of definitions, J.D., Charlie Crist for the governor's oh. race, he's he's the picture of a political hack. I mean, yes. he, you know, he was once he served as a Republican in Congress. He switched parties is just for whatever is expedient for politics. Um, I think in recent days, he put the head of the Florida Teachers Union as the right as the running. OK, so um, they're pulling out all the stops. But I just think that there's a couple things to note of how Florida, as you've just said, rightly so, has shifted and I, part of it, John, in the pandemic, a lot of New Yorkers with New York money and yep. investment interests relocated to Florida. Right. So um, you have that sector of people. They're going to like a Ron DeSantis. They don't want a hack like like Charlie Chris. So I don't even think it's a question that DeSantis isn't you know, going to win his own reelection. I think now... There is pressure on him. Uh, Bloomberg had a great piece on this to really win in a decisive way, though, in November to really look like overall, not only pop popular in Florida, as you were saying, John, but then he would be looked at as kind of he's, a, you know, huge. He's national material. And that kind of positions him for the launch for 2024. Not that he would you know, go right at it, but I think there is pressure for him to kind of put away a character like Charlie Crist easily. I don't, I think that can happen. Uh, and I also think for the national viewpoint and donors, it, if he wins big, that it, it, it is important. Florida is still like the key battleground state or one of that group of six or seven. And he's got to win big JD because they, you have to show you would win decisively against the Democrat in yes. a presidential contest. So, That's right. um, you know, and I, I would note uh, of all the people who will be keeping their eye on how DeSantis pulls it out in this November will be Trump himself. Absolutely. Oh, my <laughs> He's God. watching where this is going. 100%. And I've heard the camps are just very much at odds. And yeah. They don't get along anymore. And Donna Perry, finally, just because of your, your also your background in media, but this is very significant um, that NBC, uh, the, the changing state of television that I talk about. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I asked people, when's the last time you sat down? And I could still rattle off when we'd be at Ferncrest and put on was Happy Days and Deliverance <laughs> Shirley right. and the whole <laughs> Tuesday night lineup or the Sunday night lineup. Uh, NBC is contemplating forfeiting the 10 o'clock hour of primetime, giving that to NBC affiliates, uh, where each night that's always been now the formula, right? Where the yep. networks, they have 8 to 11, and then the local affiliate, that's why the local news is at 11. Now, Fox, they forever just, they go 8 to 10. Yep. So that's why all the Fox stations um, then, you know, they do their news at, at 10 o'clock and locally, you know, well, Fox 25 Boston, they've really benefited from that. Yeah. Uh, locally, you know, channel 12, they also own Fox 64. So they do their news, but just how significant that would be where they basically feel people are just not watching television in these, you know, the old formula of the sitcoms and then the 
murder mysteries and all the yes. stuff that they they basically might say, guess what? Channel 10 could start to do an hour block of news at 10 o'clock, and then Jimmy Fallon would come on at 11 o'clock instead of the late night at 11.30. Should that happen, I, I just think that would be a major shift in television. Yeah, and, and I, I really noted that piece, that story too, John. It, it, it really is a turning of the corner for it the is. television that, uh, as we grew up with it. Um, and, and in terms of the 10 o'clock news, you're, you know, if you're a station like an affiliate like Channel 10, John, they're losing a lot of money by not doing a 10 o'clock. That's people, right. People don't watch 11 o'clock news. Like no. that, that was built on, as you say, that earlier system uh, on the way it's remarkable that this change was, I bet it'll 100% come, but it's also a long time coming. Um, and I think it just opens the door. You may see over time because of the competition of streaming, JD, it's just, yeah. you know, people are, what are they doing with their evening hours? Like, let's face it, the cable opinion shows just have taken over That's right. on, for at least for on television of yes. what of what people are looking at. And the only thing that has ever sustained them at this point is really then it's football and sports that keeps, yep. you know, so, um, but it did, it is memory lane. I mean, JD, there was a time when we were growing up when you think seventies, I mean, the 10 hour, that was like Hill street blues. Yes. And that was like, that was law, that's the big hour. That was, was law and hour. order. Yeah. Um, if you want to go back, I mean, as a teenage uh, gal, I mean, I remember, Think about John Saturday night in America. It was Mary Tyler Moore, <laughs> Bob Newhart, and then the wildly successful at 10 p.m. on a Saturday, Carol Burnett's show yep. made a ton of money yes. for the networks. Yeah. So that was, you know, America, and that's prior to screens, meaning that's prior to the internet and prior to social media. So it is remarkable in some ways that it's taken that legacy networks, JD, it's taken them this long to get to this point. I wonder, I'll just leave it at this, that it, it, by doing this, does it open the door for a continual, like sort of accelerate um, where they begin to, you know, as you say, I, the fact that they're still putting money in primetime sitcoms it is remarkable to me. I mean, yeah. they have some crime shows that have some sort of a loyal lit watcher, but um, yeah, I, I can see that this would come. And again, the money is in these 10 o'clock news shows for sure. Yes. Yeah. For the local, local affiliates. Yeah. Folks, again, she is independent columnist, opinion maker, Donna Perry. DJ, great job as always. And we will talk to you again. You bet. The Coesed in. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com